0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. He walked out of his dorm down the long sidewalk to his Friday morning English class. Now he had walked this walk a lot of times, but today was different. For one thing, Three buddies from his dorm were walking with him. They were like an impromptu hype squad. You know, they were ma- massaging his shoulders, patting him on the back and pumping his tires. You got this. You're the man, man. You are a catch. She'd be crazy to say no. You've been talking about this girl in your English class for six weeks. Today's the day you're gonna ask her out. Today's the day she's going to say yes. Well, if you asked Justin anything that happened in that 90-minute English class, no idea. No memory. However, he will never forget what happened 47 seconds after class ended. He walked over to the girl, you know? He would have said, the most beautiful girl in the world. Brown hair, green eyes. He said, hey, Steph. She said, hey, Justin. He said, the thing is, like, everybody has to eat, right? (laughs) Like, tonight, for example, you got to eat. And I got to eat. So I don't know, like maybe we could eat. T- she said, Are you asking me out? He's like, uh, Yeah, yeah. She said, I-, I love to. So they arranged details, and now Justin walks back, that lo- back down that long sidewalk to his dorm. He's got to keep a straight face because he knows his hype squad is waiting. Walks in. Sure enough, there they are, three of them, all eyes on him. Hey, boys. Good news. And they just mob him, you know? There's this big celebration in the dorm. Good news, good news, really good news actually because 14 months later, Justin's down on one knee and he's proposing to that girl with brown hair and green eyes and she said, yes, good news, good news. A Couple years later, Justin comes home from work and Steph is there. She says, sweetheart, I have some good news and he knows exactly what she means and he cries and he hugs her and he can't believe how far they've come since that Friday morning English class. Just months later, he's in the hospital and the doctor says, hey dad, good news. You have a healthy baby girl. It's amazing how time flies though, because that little baby girl grows up and she's the love of his life. They do everything together. Next thing you know, it's her turn to go to university. In her second year of university, she comes home for Christmas break. Justin is down eating breakfast one morning. She sits beside him. She puts her head on his shoulder. She says, Dad, I got some good news. I met a boy. I really like him. I think he is the one. He reminds me a lot of you. Good news. Kind of sad, but good news. (laughs) It's amazing how time flies, though. Because... Next thing you know, Justin's back in a hospital. But this time he's not there for the delivery of a baby. He's there because he's sick. Justin's really sick. And the doctors have said there is no hope. The family has gathered to say their final goodbyes. There's more bodies than there is space, so they cram themselves into the room, and it's hard and it hurts. But it's also kind of good. Because as much... Sadness is in that room. There might be just a little bit more love. Eventually the doctor slides his way in. He says, I might just have some good news. We've got the latest test back and we're seeing improvement. Hey, I wanna say Merry Christmas and welcome to Southside 2023 Christmas. To you and yours on behalf of Corinne and me and our whole family just want to extend an absolutely Merry Christmas. I hope this season for you has brought you some good news. You know, there was a Christmas bonus. You were really hoping to get it, but you weren't sure whether you were gonna get it, and then you did. Good news, I'm so glad. Or maybe there was a present you really wanted to get. You didn't tell anybody, because you were scared to even ask for it, you know? But you thought they might know, and you weren't sure, But you looked under the tree and there was that present. And it looked like right around the right size. And then you picked it up and it felt like the right weight. And you're like, hmm. So the other day when everybody was gone, (laughs) you say, how do you know, Mike? Oh, I've done it a few times myself, actually. (laughs) You opened that bad boy up, didn't you? And guess what, you got it, good news. But from experience, I can tell you, be very careful when you rewrap it. That's an important part of the whole process. Maybe there's somebody in your friend group or a part of your family, and your greatest wish this holiday season is that you could spend some time with them, and you weren't sure whether they were gonna be able to make it, but they did. Good news. Or maybe there's somebody in your family, and one of the reasons that you dread the holidays is because you know you're gonna have to spend time with them. And a couple days ago you found out they can't make it this year. (laughs) Good news, good news. Really, that's my theme for today. Good news, good news. And what I wanna do is I wanna turn our attention to that end towards the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament of the Bible, chapter two. I should mention this also. What we call the Gospel of Luke is actually the historical account of Jesus written by a doctor named Luke. Well-educated, highly intelligent, He read countless transcripts. He conducted dozens of eyewitness interviews. He asked question after question after question after question after question until he compiled this history, consistent, corroborated, accurate, and inspiring. So what I wanna do is I wanna suggest to you that it was God's plan that Luke's gospel would make its way into our Bible, and it was God's plan that we would spend some time there today, Luke chapter two. Let's start at verse one. to us, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I started working on this sermon about six months ago. And I remember reading Luke chapter 2 over and over and over and over and over again. And there was this phrase that kept standing out to me when the angel speaks to those shepherds in the field and he says, I'll bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. And as I read it over and over again, it started to make me kind of sad and maybe even a little bit frustrated because I began to think of the fact that there's so many church people, there's so many churches, there's so many people just like me standing on stages just like this and we've taken the good news of Christmas, we've taken the good news of Jesus and almost against all odds, we've turned it into bad news. Shocking and amazing. We, we've turned it into divisive news. Judgmental news. Condemning news. Discouraging news. So bego- before I go any further today, whether you're here in this room, whether you're in overflow, whether you're in the parent area, whether you're watching online, if somewhere along the line in your life, you walked away from somebody like me telling you the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus in a way that had you discouraged as you left, I just wanna tell you I'm so sorry. So I got a goal for today. Really simple. My message has three points. Christmas was good news. Christmas is good news. Christmas will always be good news. Now, If you're brand new today, you're gonna love it. And if you've been in church your whole life, here's what I know can happen to you and can happen to me too. Christmas can go from being good news to old news, real quick. You're gonna love today. So, first of all, Christmas was good news. Sometimes, when you hear church people talk about Jesus, when they talk about Christmas, it sounds like kind of like a need to know basis. Like if you know, you know, you know what I mean? If you know, you know. What a weird statement if you know, you know. Well, of course, if you know, you know. But there's this concept of like, you know what? Here's the thing. You gotta understand this. I'm kind of on a really high theological plane. (laughs) So I understand Jesus and Christmas. You wouldn't get it. Spiritually, I'm elite. You know what I mean? So someone like you, you, you probably couldn't really understand it. And so I wanna say this. If you've ever been made to feel like somehow it was beyond you, I wanna say I'm sorry. Because here's the truth. God wants us to know his son. So much so that in the Old Testament of the Bible, there's over 300 prophecies that God speaks to various people looking forward to the birth of his son. Why? Because God's saying, hey, hey, hey don't miss it. Don't miss him. He's on his way. He wants it to be clear. It is clear. 700 years before Jesus was born, God inspired Isaiah to write this. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Okay, so we know this. The son of God, the savior, the Messiah will be born of a virgin. Okay, we know that 500 years before Jesus was born, God inspired Micah to write this. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times okay so the messiah the savior the son of god will be born of a virgin will be born in bethlehem and listen here's the most important thing we'll be born in history it's not some weird secret decoder ring thing it's not some odd like i'm on a spiritual plane that you can never understand thing it's a history thing it's a history thing Right, that's why Luke is so careful at the beginning of Luke, uh, of his gospel, chapter two of his gospel, when he says this. In those days, there was this guy named Caesar Augustus. And he said everyone needed to be registered. In other words, he initiated what's called a census for the whole Roman Empire. Okay, now why did Luke do that? To place the story of Jesus in history. Like, who was Caesar Augustus? Well, he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. Caesar Augustus was... The emperor of one of the most powerful empires in all of human history, the Roman Empire. You want to know what he looked like? This is what they say that he looked like. Pretty good looking dude. Uh, now I bring that up because this is history. It's not a fairy tale, it's not a secret decoder ring. It, 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 it's not this odd, I'm on a higher spiritual level than you. This is history. That Jesus lived. Jesus died and Jesus rose again. Why? Well, Isaiah said 700 years before Jesus was born, his name will be called, you know what you need to call him? Emmanuel. God with us. See, Christmas was good news. Christmas is good news. The angel says to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people, period. I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people, period. Now, I used to be a teacher, I'd say, Mike, you're quite a stickler for punctuation. I am, thank you very much. It's really important here, though. I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people, period. Here's the problem over the years, too many church people have replaced the period with a comma, and that's a nightmare. sometimes you hear them tell the story of Jesus, the story of Christmas, and it sounds like this. I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people who go to our church. I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people who believe just like I believe, who behave just like I behave, who look just like I look, who act just like I act, who vote just how I vote, who agree with everything that we say. What a nightmare. And so I wanna say this. If you've ever been made to feel that somehow the story of Christmas doesn't apply to you because you don't fit in after their comma, I'm so sorry. Church people can get weird, you know. I know because I am one. You know, but but <laughs> it can be weird because like they, they're so quick to judge people for things that maybe they don't struggle with or nobody knows they struggle with. You know, what does that church people say? I, I, we don't smoke, drink, or chew, and we don't go with girls that do, you know? <laughs> or guys that do. Okay, let's be fair. You know, you know what you don't hear church people talking about very often though? They don't talk much about gluttony or gossip or greed. I imagine that very much. Hmm, I wonder why. I'll tell you, I, I think I know why. Because I think that throughout history, the church has been really quick in pointing a finger of judgment and really slow in extending a hand of generosity. Now we can celebrate that, sure. I'm a stickler for punctuation because if I put a period at the end of that statement, i bring you good news and great joy that'll be for all the people, period. You know what that means? It's outlandish. No, no, no. You leave the period there that God placed there, you know what it means? It's crazy. It's, It's almost beyond belief. That means God loves someone like me. You take that period away, and I'm in big, big trouble. It's amazing when you think about it that out of all the people that God could have chosen to Announced the birth of his son to, he chose a group of shepherds. They would understand the power of that. You would have to know who shepherds were. They were on the lowest rung of the Jewish social ladder. There was a saying in the first century that went like this If you smell a shepherd coming, run the other way. So, what were they saying? They were saying two things. Number one, shepherds are disgusting, they smell like manure. They're gross and they're dirty. Number two, you can't trust them. Get out of their way. They're gonna steal everything that isn't nailed down. If you see a shepherd coming, run the other way. So God thinks, hmm, who should I announce the birth of my son to first? He didn't do anything by accident. He chose a bunch of shepherds. That means so much to me. Because I, I know what it's like to have people look down on you. How about you? I, I know what it is to feel like a second-class citizen. I, I know what it is to kind of have this smell around me which is like my guilt and my shame of my past. God didn't announce the birth of his son to Caesar Augustus first or wealthy or influential people first. He chose a group of shepherds. Why? Because he wanted you and me to know. Good news of great joy that'll be for all the people. Period. You Think about Mary and Joseph, you know? The people that God chose to be the earthly parents of Jesus. They're like a textbook definition of marginalized. Caesar Augustus decides to do a census, you know? You know what Joseph doesn't do? He doesn't say this. Hey, CA, here's the problem. Not gonna be able to do the whole census thing. Actually, Mary's really prego. Okay, so she's not gonna be able to make the trip. Right, so it's, you know. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Next time you do a census, we're so there. Sounds good. No. Mary and Joseph were the kind of people when the Roman Empire said jump, they said how high, that's it. Then they get to Bethlehem and Mary's gonna have the baby and, and you know the story a little bit. You, you know a little bit that Jesus was born in a stable placed in a manger. And all these years you've heard it, maybe you've heard it once, maybe you've heard it 500 times, you get it wrong every single time you hear it. There's something you've missed every time you've listened to or heard someone talk about the Christmas story. This is what you think you hear. You think you hear that Jesus was born in a stable and placed in a manger because there was no room in the inn, right? That's wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm so nice, eh? In the, No room in the uh, inn? You're so wrong. Like, why would you say that? <laughs> You're right, because that's what people say. It's just not true. It's time to... Have a baby, they went to the stable and placed him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Not true. Let's read it for you again. Maybe you missed it the first time I read it. They laid him in a manger because there was no place for them. You see the difference? There was no place for them in the inn. So that's who Mary and Joseph were. Oh, there was room at the inn. If Caesar Augustus would have rolled into Bethlehem, you think it would have found a spot? I think they would have. If the rich or famous or influential would have showed up, they would have found a room, but not for Mary and Joseph. There's just just a couple of poor peasants. And that's who God chose to announce the birth of his son to first. Pretty amazing. It means so much to me because I know what it's like to feel marginalized. How about you? I I know what it's like to feel like there's no room for me. How about you? John three sixteen says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. I love that. There's a lot of clubs that I couldn't get into. That's one I can get into. Hey, I'm part of the world, I made it. I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people, period. Christmas was good news, Christmas is good news, and Christmas will always be good news. Angel says to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That's the word. That's the word. That's why we're here. Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That's why we're here. That's why they're still celebrating Christmas 2,000 years later. Savior. It's just a major, it's amazing to me how we can butcher that word though. Like to hear some church people talk about it, a savior is like a spotter for your bench press. Right? You're in the gym and you're like, man, I wanna do it, I wanna wanna do it. I wanna do two plates today. I'm gonna bench 225 today and you go over to somebody and and you say, hey man, could, could you give me a spot? So the spotter comes over, and usually they'll ask you something like this, how many, how many you want? Uh, uh, okay, I think I got seven. I think I can get seven today, okay? But I, I might need a little bit of help on the last one, right? So, so you get under the weight, and you, and, and, and you do it. Six and three quarters, and then what does the spotter do? The spotter just goes like this. Just a, just all, all you need is just a little bit, right? Just, just a little bit, and then you rack it. And they look at you, and they say, man, that was just about all you, That was just about all you, man. Good job. That's how we sometimes describe what a Savior is. He's just like a spotter for your soul, you know what I mean? You're so well behaved. You're amazing. (laughs) You know, your behavior almost did it. It was almost all you. But then Jesus came along and did this. I don't know why I would think a spotter would do this, but let's just, just Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm benching a spaghetti noodle. Okay, so anyways, then then, then Jesus comes along and says, man, you you just about had, I'll just give you that little extra push. You you know what? You're on such a high spiritual plane. You're such a great rule keeper. (laughs) It's amazing. It's just about all you. There's a problem that for me just doesn't work. Just does not work for me. I don't need a spotter for my bench press. I need a rescue from my avalanche. Let me explain. I started the sermon today by talking about a kid named Justin, asked a girl out, they get married, you know, they have a family, and, and then near the end, you see Justin, he's in the hospital room, everyone's gathered, but the doctor says, it's all good, you're gonna be fine. That's kind of a flyover of a life, don't you think? A kind of time lapse, kind of quick. See, I, I think what's missed in that story is, all well, life. Because the truth is, life is hard. And the truth is, life hits you like a avalanche. You get to that part where Justin asked a girl out and she says yes, well maybe you're sitting here going, well I asked a girl out and she said no, and I, and I guess I wonder what might have been. Or I, I asked him out and he said yes, and sometimes I really, really wish that he would not have said yes. <laughs> and then they get married, you know, and maybe you're sitting here saying, I wanted to get married but I never did. Or I got married, and sometimes I wish I wasn't married. Please keep your eyes straight ahead on the stage at this point. (laughs) Or I was married, I'm not married anymore. And I look back and I think that person took the best years of my life and then they betrayed me. Life hits you like an avalanche, you know? And then he has a family and it's all sunshine and rainbows except it's not, is it? Family's hard. Sometimes along with family comes hurt, division and conflict. Things that were said that never should have been said, things that were done that never should have been done, or worse than that. Sometimes family is tragedy and trauma and heartbreak. Like around this time of the year, we sit around holiday tables and there's many, many families that they look around that table and they see a seat or seats and they wish with everything inside of them that they were full, but they're empty. See, life hits you like an avalanche. And then at the end, just is not looking good and the doctor comes in and says, good news, but here's what we all know. One day the news is not gonna be good for you or for me when it comes to our health. (laughs) What I know that I don't need, I don't need a spotter for my soul. It doesn't help me. I need a rescue from this avalanche called life that'll bury you. See, life is really beautiful, but it's also kind of ugly. Like there's a lot of light, but there's also a lot of darkness. There's love, but there's also hate. There's unity, but there's also division. I need a rescue from an avalanche, and when when I speak of that, I'm just speaking of three things. I need a healer, I need a forgiver, I need a redeemer. First thing that you and I need is we need a healer. That's why Jesus came, by the way. He came to be a healer, because life hurts. We've all been hurt by life. Let's get more specific, because sometimes it's life, sometimes it's this world, often it's people. People who were supposed to protect you, but they never did. People who were supposed to love you, but I guess they didn't get the memo because they did anything but love you. And, and so now I'm hurting, and I'm walking through life with a limp. And and then if all I needed was a spotter for my bench press, okay? Th- then here's the answer: We'll get over it. It's over. Just live. It doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me because those things that happened, they happened. Those things that were said, they were said. I need more than pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I need a healer. I don't wanna be glib, and I don't minimize what you are or have gone through. I do wanna say this though. The reason why Jesus came and was born to a peasant couple in a stable in a town called Bethlehem is because he came wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, he wants you to know that he's right there. And it's not like, hey, follow Jesus and snap your fingers and everything gets okay. No, but here's the promise that step by step he'll bring you to a place of wholeness. He'll bring you to a place of healing. In fact, here's the promise. Those things that were said to you, those things that happened to you, never should have happened. They were not God's will. They were not God's plan. They break his heart. But here's the promise. Against all odds, step by step, he'll bring you to such a place of healing that something beautiful will actually come out of the ashes of your past. That's the promise. I don't need, I don't need a spotter for my bench press. I need a rescue from this avalanche called life. I need a healer. I need a forgiver. What do they say, hurt people, hurt people. Ever hear that? Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, no kidding. And here's the problem. We're all hurt. So I look back at my life and there's things that I've done and things that I said that I shouldn't have. If all I needed was a spotter for my bench press, here's the answer. Well, just do some good deeds. Just help an an older lady across the street. It doesn't, doesn't work for me. And here's why. Because no matter how many good deeds that I do, I still did those things i still said those things they're still there so jesus was born in bethlehem but he died on a cross in jerusalem when he died on that cross he did it to perform what's called the beautiful exchange the beautiful exchange the beautiful exchange works this way i bring him all my guilt and he puts it to death i give him my wrong and he gives me all his right I give him my lost, he gives me all his found. I give him my sin and he gives me, in exchange, forgiveness. In a miraculous, supernatural way, I get a fresh start, a blank slate, and a new beginning. I don't need a spotter for my bench press, I need a rescue from this avalanche called life. I need a healer, I need a forgiver, and finally I need a redeemer greatest fear we all have is death time's going to expire one day say no Mike I I googled it and and people's greatest fear is public speaking that makes me laugh just a little bit because I'm like okay so you were at a funeral you'd rather be in the casket than on the stage speaking I don't thank you so much Is there, This his enemy. It's there, it's always there, it's always there. Whether, whether we know it or not, it's always there. It's in the back of our head. And if all I needed was a spotter for my bench press, here's the answer. Well, just, just live under the illusion of control. Just pretend it's all good all the time. I, I've tried that. I've done that for months. I've done that for years. But then every once in a while, rea- reality comes crashing in and the illusion of control is shattered and I realize I'm pretty frail. I'm pretty fragile. That's why not only do I need a healer, not only do I need a forgiver, but I need a redeemer. Jesus died on that cross, but on the third day he rose again. Here's why, our most feared enemy is death. Jesus faced death. You can't defeat anything you don't face. Jesus defeated death. And then when he rose again, he stepped out of the empty tomb, and here's the invitation, it's real simple. It's really, really simple. For 2,000 years, the invitation of Jesus has been the same. Here it is. He steps out of that empty tomb, he reaches his hand back and he says, hey, take my hand and follow me. Where? Life. Life. Today, tomorrow, forever. That's it. Christmas was good news. It is good news. It'll always be. Good news. Let's pray. For the hurting, he is a healer. For the guilty, he is a forgiver. For the fearful, he is a redeemer. All of that, all of that is Jesus. All of that is the story of Christmas. And so I can't think of a better invitation to give you today, Christmas of 2023. Everything that needed to be done for your healing, for your forgiveness, for your redemption has already been done. It's a gift that Jesus purchased for you through his life, death, and resurrection. Today, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you wanna accept that gift that Jesus already purchased, can you just raise your hand up nice and high right now so I can pray for you? If you're watching online or in one of the overflows, and you can if it's safe to do so, please raise your hand, there's something powerful with that outward expression. It's amazing. If your hands are up, you can put them down. I'm gonna pray out loud and I just invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came, thank you that you died, thank you that you rose again. I pray that you would be my healer, my forgiver, and my redeemer. I pray that you would bring me past my past into life, real life that starts now and stretches into you forever. Thank you. And God, for the rest of us here, maybe we've been in church our whole lives, and maybe the good news of Christmas has become old news. And so I pray for us. I pray for a renewed sense of gratitude, a renewed sense of joy, a renewed sense of hope this season. We love you and we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. The band has one more song. Why don't you stand up? And once again, Merry Christmas. I just got one last thing for you. And it's that this place is pretty special. I think you can feel that. It's
1: that an amazing group of people serving an incredible God. And it's not just like this at
0: Christmas. It's actually like this every Sunday. And so we'd love to see you back. Our next services are on Sunday, January 7th. There's no this upcoming weekend. But we'd love to see you back. And if you're looking to start 2024 by stepping into the purpose of our lives, to be the men and women that God created us to be, to be real and to be kind and be bold. Man, we'd love to see you back as we launch into this new year together. Well, from our team, our staff, from Pastor Mike, Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a great day. Uh, Rachel and the ensemble is going to play you out.